if you're awake at this hour, you must be questioning your passion for Formula One at this point. But that's okay. We're here. <laughs> Trevor Long, Connor McNally, and Harry Tucker on the EFGM F1 podcast. It's not quite 1 a.m. and we've just watched the Spanish Formula One Grand Prix here in 2021 with a Lewis Hamilton victory. Max Verstappen and Valtteri Bottas joining him on the podium. Daniel Ricciardo coming home in six. We'll talk about all those things shortly. Connor, yes. g'day. Hello. Well, that was a better Grand Prix in terms of the Spanish Grand Prix than what it was 12 months ago. I think I remember it was such a boring race when we discussed it this time a year ago. I think this was a little bit more exciting, but boy, oh boy, how many alarms did you set? Oh, look, I set two. One of them went off and neither of them were required because I didn't actually fall asleep. I actually have decided... Getting up and pacing is an easier way to stay awake than sitting on a couch. (laughs) Harry, how did you go, mate? Because you were, I believe, the most tired last race. Oh, man, I was exhausted last race. But um, no, this one was good. The thing that kept me in it, though, was definitely the surprise Lewis second pit stop. Like, I think up until that, I was on the verge of going, "What what am I doing? Every Sunday night watching this bloody sport... For another fucking Hamilton Verstappen bodass. Um, well, actually, at that point it was Verstappen. Yeah. Anyway, it made it interesting. Well, I think I think you make a good point though, and I, I take the Mickey a bit in the intro saying that as well, questioning your commitment to the sport. And we will talk at the end after we've done the race review, team analysis, driver analysis. Talk a bit about next year because I think it's important. Yeah. We have a think about how that's gonna gonna pan out. But you know this this track. Um, just proved to me that they made a change to the track, did nothing. Um, they should have just kept it on how much money they wasted on that. Um, it just proves that DRS, like Martin in his normal style, we don't want to see DRS passing. Yes, we do because it's <laughs> passing. The only passing we saw was, you know, George Russell getting past Mick Schumacher, who clearly got a better start. I mean, mm. in terms of actual passing, if it wasn't because of bad tyres on one car and good tyres on the other, it didn't happen this race. Um, I think that for me is my my key takeout. This was a processional race, and we'll talk about Daniel in a bit, but he's he's the perfect example of that. Um, you know, he was able to hold off a Carlos Sainz Ferrari um, at the very end because it's impossible to pass here, Connor. And I think that's the challenge of this race was just too hard to pass. Yeah, it, it is one of those technically demanding circuits, but it just doesn't provide the passing opportunities that we've been crying out for for quite some time. The only really mm. passing opportunity is down at turn one, and that's it, not helped by the fact that it's pretty much a DRS passing zone right at the end. And mind you, at the start of the race, what about that start from Max? That was a ballsy start. He just got the elbows out at turn one and just shot through into turn two. And by the end of the first lap, he was leaning by about one and a half seconds. So we thought for ourselves for a moment, geez, this could actually be a very interesting race. But then it just turned into another processional race as we have seen time and time and time again. And Harry, I think the best part about that start, it was that it wasn't contentious at all, yeah. don't you reckon? Mm. Like it was it was just a great pass, which was just lauded as being great. It wasn't, and there was no question about how, we didn't even hear Lewis whinging about it on the radio. Yeah, because I think it looked contentious at first because yeah. the angle that Max came in, it kind of looked like he bumped him. But then we, we saw he, he didn't really look like he got him. It was just Lewis swerving and it was all fine. Like it was... And then, you know, you know, as much as we, we, we like Lewis's uh, racing, he's very good. But we, you know, just I need to preface that because uh, we seem to shit on him a little bit. Um, but you would expect a tantrum if it was even the slightest bit, actually, bit off from him. Actually, and there was nothing. Actually, so. what about the, what about, we'll, we'll get on to 
um, the other topic on hand with Mazepin, but what about the tantrum from Toto tonight to race control? Oh, that was great. That was great. Uh, what, what are they going to do if, you know, 60% of the teams are submitting these types of complaints about him? Like, what's the FAA going to do? Is this going to be a real point where, you know, where money might not win it? Yeah, stage. and I think that was the great thing. So what we're talking about here is Mazepin, you know, at the back of the field, um, essentially holding drivers up. That you know, blue flags uh, shouldn't be required. You know, in that situation, it should be that the team is making it very clear that you are the last driver on the grid. Anyone that comes up behind you right now, let them bloody well pass. Exactly. And that bloke is trying to race, or you know. There is a difference, and it was fascinating to look even at the team orders that occurred during the race at where people choose and how they choose to let people pass. But you're in a house. You've got to act like a Corolla at Bathurst against Group A. <laughs> yes. I've got to say that it's not the, this was the second time that Mazepin got in, in the way of a leading yeah. front runner, and it happened in qualifying. In two races. Yeah. yeah. And remember, and we're talking qual- about a bloke that spun in the first yeah. 70 seconds of uh, practice this week. <laughs> First 70 seconds of practice, one. Yes. I mean, you know, Blake wasn't even, didn't even complete a lap. I mean, it's just, you know, it is starting to look pretty bad, but it's also, you know, not looking good for Haas in that sense. Just just go back to the start for a minute. The other couple of things I noticed off the start were, and you pointed this out, Harry, straight up in in our chat, Dan had a great start, but I Mm. I thought Alpine looked really racy Mm. off the start. and. And overall, you know, that was it was a really exciting start for that reason. You saw a couple of cars get a better jump, better better run. It was pretty uh, multi-car wide coming into the into the first turn. It was a great looking start. I you, s- it was was it Alonso's tyres? Is that what ended up happening to him at the end? Yeah, yeah. that's why. Yeah, he I mean, he, he, yeah. I think he was holding out on tyres that were meant to go. Uh, you know, everyone else pitted twice. He he went. No, I'm going to hold it out. He was there was a big race for tenth. Uh, you know, talking Alonso, Gasly, Stroll, etc. And even, yeah, even George train. Russell, even George Truss, uh, Russell. Well, well, in the end, Fernando finished seventeenth because as soon as he lost tenth, he basically went, "Well, I can't fight anymore. These things. I'm, I'm on ice skates <laughs> yeah. here, folks." I, I got to say, Alpine looked extremely racy tonight. Not maybe not necessarily from Fernando, but Esteban. I mean. I'm still surprised of how competitive he's been in the last couple yeah. of races. He's been really yeah. impressive. I thought they had a reasonable weekend, and we'll talk about the team specifically in a minute because it looked like they were going to have a week good weekend, but it, mm. I guess the results don't really reflect that. You know, outside of the the first turn and Max stripping away with it, as you mentioned, Connor, you know, Bottas was losing a second a lap to Hamilton in the early stages because he was sitting behind Leclerc in third. So Bottas in fourth was really struggling to give that visual that he was on race pace because he was behind a Ferrari and because we mentioned it's impossible to pass. Mm. These things don't look good for Bottas. No, they don't. And near the end of the race, Bottas was starting to, I guess, give a couldn't give a fuck attitude anymore in regards to, you know, team orders and that at um and Mercedes. And basically I think he was trying to basically snub it at their noses. Um, you know, trying to get in the way of Hamilton and, you know, just trying to just, you know, sort of disrupt his race pace. Oh, I think yeah, I think the dynamic at the moment between Maz, um, not Maz, but um, Bottas and Mercedes, like yeah. I think, it's starting to get lower and lower. Like th- that, that dynamic is just pretty much gone. Yeah, now. I mean, Harry, there was the rumours in the Daily Mail this week, which Toto uh, all weekend has, has flat out denied that Bottas would be killed 
uh, first, you know, in the middle of the season and, and bring George in. But yeah. those those team orders, you know, you got to say those were fighting actions by Bottas, Harry. Oh, yeah. He he didn't yeah. he didn't easily let Lewis past. It definitely. But do you think that in you know, in response to that the Daily Mail article? Do you think they're going to trust getting a George up to speed in time if you know if it's super close with Red Bull for that constructors championship, Ooh. and they just ride out the sour wave with Bottas till the end of the year, and you know have a higher chance? I mean, at George that George proved last year he's up to speed. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the only reason it's it all, doesn't yeah. make sense is because it's not like he's training because the car next year is going to be completely different. different. It's not like you know previous Red Bull moves. You could argue they were in in, in preemptive training for the year after, which. Yeah which makes some sense, but it doesn't make any sense this year. So I just think from Valtteri's point of view, it's good that he looks ballsy and it looks like he's pushing it out there for them. But in the end, he also just looks like the guy that's coming second to Lewis and it doesn't help at all. Um, You know, during the race, you know, Bottas really showed nothing other than, you know, the ability to get a fastest lap, which was in the end beaten by Max um, after a pit stop. You know, he showed he has pace across the weekend, but that pace, Connor, is not coming across as race pace. No, it's not. He's just quick in qualifying and practice pace, but for some reason it doesn't translate to the race pace. And and, and that's the biggest problem that Mercedes have at the moment with Bottas as their number two. He's just not matching it to to Lewis at the moment. And, and that's why, and I think, as I said before, his attitude is like, can't care anymore you know you basically mm. put your eggs in lewis's basket and you you've you don't give a toss about me so yep. you know it's i i can't say i blame bottas for feeling this way responding in that way on the track but if he had stepped up much sooner to be on the same pace as lewis maybe it might be a different story who knows Look, Harry, before we talk team and driver analysis, let's mm-hmm. let's talk about the most important part of the race, which you, you alluded to at the start, which was Hamilton's pit stop. Lap forty two. Yep. Um Lewis was actually gaining like he was he was making good good ground on Max, I thought, in terms of his general gap. But again, the, even though he got the gap down to DRS zone many times, he didn't really come close to passing. And he darted in, like nearly stuffed up the entry to the mm. pit. Like I'm telling you, you look at the replay, which has I haven't seen yet, but came close to that uh, that bollard, Harry. <laughs> that was a critical moment in the race, obviously. Well, and it completely it just it. proves what, what yeah. Mercedes is worth. It completely took Red Bull by surprise. Like I don't think anyone was expecting that pit stop. And then it kind of left them in this this weird position then where they knew that the tyres that Lewis had on were, were going to catch up and that theirs were going to fade towards the end. And then the pit window was also not big enough for them to safely go in and out mm. without Lewis passing them. So Mercedes just completely, you know, out well, strategy them. Toto and James just complete, you know, 40 chess plays. It was genius. They basically did a hungry 2019. That's what they've yeah. done. And it worked. It worked out well for them in the oh, end. It completely won the race. Yeah. Uh, but, and, but the thing is, Red Bull... Also, did a hungry 2019. I mean, the whole idea of, you know, uh, you know, hungry 2019, okay, disappointing result, guys. We thought we could hold him off. No dramas. Pat yourselves on the back. At least we got there. Um, Spain 2021, why did we do the exact same thing as happened in Hungary? They pitted. And the thing is, Max didn't lose. The undercut did not work. Max had the gap. He, yeah. He, he, you know, he, he could pit and he did pit. I just, honestly, it didn't make sense to me at all well, I think what the, Red Bull did in that period of time, Connor. Well, I think the dynamic swung towards Mercedes' way 
early in the race when Max had his first pit stop and it was a slow pit stop. I think it took about four seconds. So I think that was when the pendulum swung towards Mercedes way. But for a period in time, I honestly thought that with Max being in the lead and managing to try and hold Lewis off for that period until he did that sneaky pit stop, I thought, okay, this might actually go back in the favour of Red Bull. Oh, me the, too. Yeah. yeah, and in the end, in the end, it didn't work out that way because Mercedes basically pulled the rug from underneath them, and it was well played by Mercedes. Not a good look at all the way they handle it, and I think that's uh, going to be an interesting review meeting straight after the race. Good day, everyone. I'm Daniel Ricardo, and you're listening to EFTM. Everything for the man. This is the EFTM F1 podcast. Trevor Long, Connor McNally, and Harry Tucker. We do it all thanks to the good people at KO. We uh, stream the race uh, live on KO Sports. Uh, if you haven't got KO, get it now uh, because you can watch all of practice uh, live and free. You don't have to have a paid KO account to get practice. And you know what? Practice happens at the right time of the day most of the time here in Australia. Straight after dinner, sit down for a bit of F1 practice and you get to hear a bit of the Sky Sports coverage and a bit of insight into what's happening on the F1 paddock, even if it means that you uh, you don't watch the race live. 25 bucks a month will get you KO Sports live, uh, everything they've got. And we're talking every sport possible under the sun and uh, and every F1 session live and, and uh, available to watch on your smart TV, your tablet, your smartphone, whatever your style of viewing is. So jump on now, kosports.com.au. So, boys, I mean, let's talk about teams overall. We'll, we'll, we'll look at the drivers themselves in a, in, a, in a minute. But from a team perspective, you know, not a bad one weekend for Ferrari, kind of flying under the radar and just getting a great result with Charles in fourth, Carlos in, in seventh. They're kind of – because all the attention is on – at the front is on Red Bull and Mercedes, and I feel like the rest of the attention drops onto people like McLaren and, you know, uh, Aston Martin – Ferrari's doing a good job, Connor, at just doing good this year. Yeah, and look, they've put 2020 behind them, and it's like yeah. it didn't happen at all. I've got to say, they just flew under the radar this weekend, and, and that's probably a good thing for them at the moment because they obviously not, don't have the front-running pace as such. Yes, they're in a much better position, but to be honest with you, the way they're playing their game, their, their strategies at the moment, they're doing very, very well. They're only five points behind McLaren in the Constructors' Championship, and we'll look at those mm. points very shortly. But I think this was a very, very good race for both Charles and, and Carlos. They gained some valuable points from the entire weekend. On the flip side for McLaren, it, it, Daniel had a great race. Let's face it, he had a, he bounced back from the disaster that was Portugal last weekend. But Lando probably had one of his worst races of the season thus far. And he just really wasn't up there. And, uh, yeah, the, a bit of soul oh, search. I don't think, though, I think in the end, not not an awful revol- result for McLaren in 6 and 8, but when you talk yeah. awful, Harry, Jesus, Aston Martin, out of mm. the points in 11th and 13th. And Alpha Tauri, uh, with one car failing to finish because of uh, power issues, uh, and Pierre just getting the, the final point in 10th, I don't know. I feel like those two teams look disappointing this weekend, if not, you know, this year. Yeah, I definitely think, oh, Aston Martin for sure this year. Like, you know, I think that's oh. been one of the, the biggest chats in the paddock is just how they've just fallen off the cliff completely with all these low rake issues with the new regs. But it's just bullshit. Like, how come this has not happened to Mercedes, which the car they've copied off? Like, they've 
you know, it's it's obviously caught up to them. They've they've copied the car and then and don't have the engineering prowess inside to update it themselves to meet these regs. And now they're mm. they're suffering the consequences. But yeah, although with AlphaTauri though, I think um I think that's kind of where where they would where they qualified. That's a good result just because of the track and the inability yeah. to overtake. I guess the Honda failing on on Yuki though isn't a good thing. I've got to say with Yuki this weekend. I mean, he really blew up in qualifying and when he had his issues. And he like if you listen to the team radio when he came back in the pits after failing to get past Q1, he let loose at his team over the radio, which. As they said on Sky Sports, it was probably not a good look, you know, to to criticise your own team over the radio publicly. Um, it'll be interesting to see what yeah. happens for Yuki if they have to pull him into line a little bit. But that being yeah. said, I love Yuki's honesty and passion for it. It's, it's just refreshing in some yeah, respects. Give him a time for someone to pull him it. into line, and, and and he'll he'll change. Don't worry. I How think he's what twenty one. Yeah, he's, he's he 20, looks 20, 12. 20. I know. <laughs> It'll be 21 later in the year. I mean, it's shit. fine. Give, give him a break. Him, give him time. And Harry, um, just uh, just a quick moment for our weekly uh, chat about how Hass just don't give a fuck about the 2021 season. <laughs> yes. Oh, they've just written it off. I don't think they've got one person even thinking about the car. I think even the pit stops oh. probably surprise them when they come in. It's just unbelievably <laughs> bad. <laughs> <laughs> just quietly too. Speaking of pit stops, surprising people. There was a couple of fuck ups in the pits uh, today. I mean, oh, uh, Max, a Nazi. It's like they didn't know Max was coming in. Um, so the the left rear was slow, actually coming out of the garage. It wasn't an awful stop, but it, it certainly really was a problem. And then uh, Connor Giovinazzi, the the wheelman on the front left, just went, "Hang on, this is flat. What? <laughs> how does how a flat guy get near the garage?" How does it surely that reflects badly on Giovinazzi that he can't fucking tell that his like tire has just lost all air? That is just absolutely bizarre. I mean, thinking, fuck, how how can if he had driven out with a completely flat tire, that just would have like looked bad not only in Alfa Romeo, but it would have looked bad on Pirelli, would have looked awful on Giovinazzi, for example. I mean, look, uh, it reminds me of when Eddie Irvine had his um you know, the, the pit stop at the Nürburgring and they couldn't put the tyre on at Ferrari. I mean, that was that was a comical moment. So uh, It really uh, just reminded me of Daniel Ricciardo at uh, Monaco. But <laughs> Yeah. When, when I see oh, yeah. a car in the pit box and uh, draw and, and pit guys Especially running around, ball. you're either thinking Bottas, uh, Bahrain, or Daniel, Monaco, it's just it's just chaos, and it's not a good look for the for the team. But you know, I think that's that's just life. The, the back that back end of the grid, and I think a lot of the focus out of the team conversation going forward is definitely on Aston Martin, as Harry yeah. said. Um, they like Lawrence Stroll, in all his posturing, made out like they were going to be a top three team. Um, then they're, they're they're not. <laughs> Not even close. They are far from being a top three team. I actually top five team. Yeah, exactly. I I, I was reading something um, on my way back from from Melbourne tonight, and because I've been in Melbourne over the weekend for work, and it was interesting to read what Planet F one, one of the um, F one news sites, uh, put up, and it was via the Daily Mail. If you can trust what the Daily Mail reads, no, you can't. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But they were saying allegedly that the dynamic at Aston Martin at the moment is pretty low because, you know, the, the engineers and the like, they're saying that everything that, La- that Lawrence has brought in, like, you know, buying all the 
intellectual properties of the 2019 Mercedes and trying to, you know, buy their way to victory and winning championships or whatever, you know, and not trusting their own judgment on how to, you know, develop a car has really brought their morale down to a bit of a low at the moment. And it's which, showing. Which also just goes to prove how different a Formula One team is to a business, you know, like, Absolutely. Um, you, you know, Lawrence is a businessman and a very successful one. You can't just apply business theory to mm. Formula One, a sport that will actually cripple you uh, under regulation if you do things that kind of don't really meet the spirit of the sport. I mean, that's, it's really as simple as that. And I think that's where they've, they've fallen foul of, of pretty much everything. So, yes, we'll have to keep a, a watching eye on uh, Aston Martin over the, uh, over the weeks ahead. We'll talk drivers. Well, look, only because we haven't really touched on it, Dan had a fucking great race, oh. Harry. Um, great start. Best race of the year. And, uh, you know, it felt – it's weird, isn't it? So it, felt, it felt like he was comfortable in the car. He was able to hold off Perez a lot. Uh, Perez did get past him in the end, but he held him off a lot. And to, to my surprise, Carlos was still behind him at the end of the race. Yeah, yeah. He, he did a fantastic job. It's easily the most comfortable he's looked in the McLaren so far. Like there was a few of those corners when Perez was getting really close mm. where he was he was breaking late like we're used to him seeing. Although when he got over, overtaken, Perez obviously breaked a little bit later. But seeing that little bit more aggressive uh, entering into corners I think is a really good sign. And I think in another couple of races we, we could probably see him challenging for some podiums. No, I yeah, agree I with that. Connor, it's um, it, it's kind of encouraging to see because it was pretty much the weekend. He, he didn't he didn't have Lando's measure in every session, if I recall, but he certainly um, was on par or better. And you know the quality performance set him up for a great race on a track yeah. where you can't pass. You needed no, that exactly right, and it, it puts him in, in in good position at the moment in terms of qualifying. He's qualified ahead of Lando three times to one now, mm. and uh, yeah, he's done very very well um, for this weekend. Uh, bouncing back from, you know. A pretty tough weekend in Portugal last weekend, so a great result for Daniel. And I think he's getting, you know, moderately comfortable with the car, and he's adapting to the car. We 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 know how, you know, how different the car is to what he's driven in the last couple of years. So to do what he's doing at the moment is a very good effort. And look, he's got more points. He's banked more points in the drivers' yeah. championship. We may as well quickly look at that. So Lewis Hamilton leading now by 14 points over Max Verstappen, 94 to 80 points. Third at the moment is Valtteri on 47. Lando has dropped back to fourth on 41. So tonight's race wasn't really the best of races for Lando, as we've discussed, but he's still within reach of third place at the moment. Fifth position at the moment is Charles Leclerc. So he's a point ahead of Charles. Sixth position at the moment is Sergio on 32. Daniel is currently seventh on 24. Eighth is Carlos on 20. Ninth at the moment, Esteban Ocon on 10 points. And then rounding out the top 10 is Lance Stroll on seven. Yeah. And I think the other part of the, you know, the adjusting to the car situation, Harry, is um, let's compare, you know, Carlos isn't doing exactly well. challenging Charles. I think he's and, doing all right. um, He's not challenging good. Charles, but he's doing all right. He's doing no, good. but, but um, in terms of Daniel's performance, oh, like right. that yeah. whole who switched teams and he's adjusting to the car, Better. you know, Vettel's nowhere. Uh, Carlos is, is doing well, but not not stri- not striking uh, at, at Charles's heels. Mm-hmm. So th- he's doing the best of the switch drivers in that sense. Uh, yeah. I think that's yeah. a good thing. But Carlos, Definitely. you're right, is doing very well. Yeah, Carlos, is, he's doing all right. Like, and also with Seb, I don't know if he's doing as bad as, as the car is doing. Yeah, um, sure. But, so but, he, but he's behind Lance. He's behind Lance right? as well. 
But with those car changes, like I'll add a stupid, dumb anecdote. So as you guys know, recently, (laughs) recently I sold my Mazda MX-5, bought a Golf GTI. Today, went out for my first good drive in the Golf, St. Albans, beautiful road out out of Sydney, if you haven't done it before. Um, And just the confidence going into those corners compared to what I had to my MX-5 and what I was used to was completely different. And I imagine this is obviously me in two quite slow road cars and imagine that on steroids for what these guys are experiencing between you know a Renault and a McLaren or a mm. Ferrari and a Aston Martin it just be would be because it's ridiculous. not until you've done enough corners that have similarities across tracks yeah. so you know fast sweeping uh turn you know those those kind of final turns that you know lead on to fast straights you'd know where your comfort level is on those now because we've had a couple of them but different radius, different um, you know, different levels of turns. You've got to do them before you know what the car can handle. And I think that's, I I I see that analogy, Harry. And I think that when you go from one car to another, um, most people who've done you know a little bit of twisty turny stuff know the difference between one yeah, car and another. And that that's a fascinating kind of problem to have, and to be able to, given the lack of testing um, that that F one has generally, let alone this year. But, you know, it's still a super fascinating challenge we've got ahead because I think that, and, and Connor, maybe now's a good time to look at the the team's uh, championship. Mm. I think that the Ferrari-McLaren battle is is going to be a cracker across the year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's already starting to be a cracker. So Mercedes are leading Constructors' Championship, 141 really? points. No surprise, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Red Bull's 112 points. Really? Yeah, we knew that they were going to be one and two. McLaren currently third on 65 points, but like I said a short time ago, five points ahead of Ferrari on 60. Mm. So that battle for third is getting very, very tight already. And, we've and what's the gap to fifth? Fifth at the moment is about 30, uh, 37 points. So it's a decent gap in, in terms of the the you know the the points to make up for a team obviously a good mm. good result will yeah. will kick you up there but yeah you know if that continues this way so if it let's look at the, the season this way right if it continues this way it is going to be the tightest championship Lewis has had in a while no doubt um Max though still has not led the championship this year um but the teams could well be a nice battle between McLaren and Ferrari, I'm quite looking forward to that. I mm. I think that there's there's something to cling on to with that. I do think that the coverage hasn't been as boring as we probably make out to be, but we're just kind of expecting a little bit more from the racing. That's just unfortunately a couple of years worth of pent up um, frustration, <laughs> really, isn't it? You know, we, we were kind of expecting it to be better this year, which which brings us to next year. And I mentioned this during the race. This this circuit, Barcelona. I've been there plenty of times. Like it's it's where they practice, it's where they do testing. But it, you can't pass there. You, you just can't pass there. And that to you, we can praise Daniel for you know holding off Perez, but most of that's because you just can't pass there. The style of circuit, the circuit that it is. This is the perfect track for us to look at next year and go: Is the racing any tighter? Are the cars closer together? And are more people genuinely passing back and forth? Because a pass. Passing shouldn't be judged on the number of passes. It should be the maximum number of um, swapped positions back and forth. It's like a rally in tennis. If you're going, you know, Daniel passes Carlos, Carlos passes Daniel and back and forth a few times over 10 laps, that's racing. Oh, without a question. Without a question. But at the moment, we're not even seeing that. And if these do, you, do you think the 2022 car is going to be able to deliver that, Connor? <sighs> 
my heart says it, it should, but my head at the moment says, I don't know. I feel like we're going to be in the same old, same old at this point in time right now in 12 months' time. I really hope not, but if it is, oh, kill me now, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that'll be a, that'll be a challenge for for Liberty, the owners, if if they can't deliver next year, Harry, because yeah. the hype is all about what Ross and I. The confidence I have is Ross Braun. You know, the bloke knows what he's doing. If assuming the the teams haven't won too many battles over Ross, you know, twenty twenty two should bring it out. And and what we've got to cling to this year is two amazing drivers up front giving us a championship battle. Uh, and a, and a few solid midfields really making some some excitement to follow. So it's it's more about the stories to follow rather than the racing to follow. And that's I think next year it, it will be about that. I don't think that we will see too much difference, you know, in the, in the top order. Like uh, as much as I I want it to be, you know, to be a challenge between five different teams for for pole position and for winning the race, you know, every week. I don't think it's going to be. But where I think the gap's going to be made is I, I don't know if there's going to be you know the the type of um, end of the pack that we have now, I think from that you know fifth mm. to tenth team, that those will all be very close. You know, combined with new regs, budget caps, all those types of things. Yeah, awesome and fascinating, uh, Connor. Before we go, uh, a great weekend for uh, one man named Doan. Yes, finally. I mean, after the disaster that he had last year, Jack Doan got a podium in Formula Three in the <laughs> sprint race this morning. Yes, and, so- and by the way, it wasn't just a you know from. From there to there, he, you know, he did some passing to get there. He did. He actually qualified second, but obviously had to start in a reverse grid first race, and it didn't really work out for him in that opening race on, on yes last night, Saturday night. But he had to work hard for it, and he got through to finish his first podium, first race of the season with a new team with Trident because he was with with uh, HWA last year. And I read an interesting comment from uh, from someone, a Sydney based uh, F one fan, Michael Shaw. He he said. It probably explains that maybe the team that he was with last year in the car that, that that he was driving in probably wasn't developed properly. Because, yes, they've all got the same chassis and everything else yeah. and same engines, but he just really wasn't firing, you know, as a front runner last year. And now that he's in a different team, um, obviously with the same car, he's, he's doing much, much better. So, look, great effort for Jack. First podium. It'll be interesting to see if Jack could continue those results for the remainder of the season. Because if he does, then maybe you know we might see him hopefully in a, in a much positive light compared to last year. Do you know what, Harry? I think that's a really interesting point about same chassis, same engine. Yeah. It's all about setup and team and you know engineer and strategy, which just proves that you know Formula One's not going to suddenly change overnight. Hass ain't no, going to be winning the, races. No, it's a, that that Mercedes mindset is just. Yeah, and we saw it today, just how ruthless they are with their strategy. Spot on. The Mercedes mindset was proven in Spain 2021. They won it on strategy and determination. Exactly. And you're not, yeah, all of a sudden you're not going to have, you know, a Mazepin or Mazaspin, as we we like to say, um, following the team the way that that Toto is able to command his team. And, yeah, like you say, the Haas is not going to end up winning because of that. No, absolutely not. What's coming up next, Connor? Um, Monaco I- Grand Prix in two weeks' time. Mm. My favourite and least favourite race. Yeah. For, yes. I, you know, quality, love. Love quality because it's you know the importance of it. Um, you also know. It's, it's the race. <laughs> yeah, it's the race. And you've seen people completely uh, ruin their weekends by clipping barriers uh, during quality and stuff like that. Mm. So that's fun. 
So I actually look forward to the Saturday Saturday night more than I do the the Sunday there, but uh, can't wait. Look forward to it. And, of course, we'll be back uh, for the Monaco Grand Prix here on the EFTM F1 podcast. Thanks to KO Sports. Get your streaming. Uh, and in between F1 races, there's plenty of other sport to watch. Boys, talk to you in a couple of weeks uh, watching Monaco. See you then. See ya.